Hi, and welcome back to the Homily Prep Podcast. This is Jonathan, and this week we've got the Feast of the Holy Trinity. And Trinity Sunday is often thought of as the preacher's nightmare because, well, what can you say about the Trinity? It's a mystery. Well, it turns out there's a lot that you can say, and many times people say the wrong thing. The history of Christianity is full of people asking this one very simple question, what is the Trinity and why is it so important? Okay, short answer, it's important because it's a central component to the faith that we profess every Sunday. The Nicene Creed, which was formalized at the Council of Nicaea in the year 325 AD, is structured around the three persons of the Trinity. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. So. I'll apologize for using some technical language here, specifically the word homoousius, but since it's language that we use every single Sunday, and oftentimes myself included without even thinking, I think it might be a good idea to look at some of these very theological ideas that come up around the Trinity. But before we can get to God being united, we need to look at the individual persons. St. Bonaventure, the great 13th century theologian and doctor of the church, gives us very clearly and succinctly what, as he says, we must hold if we would rightly understand faith in the Holy Trinity. And that is the distinction between each of the individual persons of the Trinity. Firstly, the Father, whom Bonaventure says is the unbegotten one, the one without an originator. This is the one we hear about in the first reading today from Proverbs that is fashioning all of creation and setting everything into right order. The second person, Bonaventure says, is the image, the word and the son. The image as the, and here's where we get a little technical, as the expressed likeness of God, the word as expressing likeness, and the son as the personal likeness. Finally, the Holy Spirit is understood as the gift, the mutual bond or love. The Holy Spirit, as we see in our gospel for today, is the one given, the perfect gift given through the perfect will of God. Other theologians have described the Holy Spirit as the very love that is shared between the Father and the Son. St. Hilarion, the third century monk, sums this up, saying, Eternity belongs to the Father splendor to the likeness, and fruition to the gift. Now, let's see if we can explore and clarify this a little bit more. So, here's what we believe. God is one. The great Shema from Deuteronomy is still a thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. But God is also three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We find evidence of this all over Scripture, most explicitly from the end of the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus in the Great Commission tells his disciples to go and baptize, you guessed it, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But we also get this in our Gospel for today from St. John. The Holy Spirit is sent, and the Father and the Son are intimately connected. They They share all things, even their divinity, their very substance. In today's liturgy, Uh, in the preface before the Eucharistic prayer, we have this wonderful prayer that God's unity is not in the unity of a single person, but in a trinity of one substance. Not only is the trinity not three separate gods, as sort of a return to our 
pantheistic understanding of the ancient religions. But God is also not a single person. But like we profess in the creed every week, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Now, back to that fancy word homoousius, which we used to translate to one in being, but now we say consubstantial. Really, it just means the same stuff. The Father and the Son are the same stuff. Now, our first reading from Proverbs, I think, helps to flesh this out a little bit and help us to understand that same stuff. We read this wonderful passage that details the forerunner of his prodigies from long ago, who from of old was poured forth at the first before the earth, and so on. The text shows that there is one with God during the creation of the cosmos. Interestingly enough, this was a scriptural example of an ancient Christian thinker, you might have heard of him, named Arius, used to prove that Jesus was not, in fact, one in being or consubstantial with the Father, but was, as the text shows, a created being just like the rest of us. But you see, this misses the wonderful language and theological significance of this reading from Proverbs. This co-worker with God is not merely just another creature. Uh, that's clear by the way we're constantly being shown that before all created things came about, there he is. I was beside him as his craftsman. Again, think back to our creed, speaking of Jesus. Through him all things were made. Now, this isn't just one or even the first most perfect creation. It is God himself. The second person came from the Father, yes, he was, as we say, begotten, not made. But there again, that word begotten implies that same stuff, homoousius. This is further emphasized in Jesus' own words from our gospel today. Everything that the Father has is mine. We, as creatures, don't get that. We're able to participate in the divine life through the Son precisely because he is God and not just another creature. As Bonaventure reminds us, Jesus is the true and perfect image of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is given so that we may remain in God as God remains in us. Okay, this seems like a lot of work and is, quite frankly, still pretty confusing. So why do we care so much about this? Well, here's what's at stake if what Arius said was true. If Jesus is nothing more than a really good dude, a great prophet and healer, then our religion would be no different from all of the other mythologies that came before. Our hero would be nothing more than another Hercules or Theseus or Perseus, demigods who oftentimes are just as broken as the rest of us. And God would be like the old gods who were oftentimes distant petty and cruel. If Jesus is not homoousius, consubstantial with the Father, then God is not with us. And that means that Jesus was just a wonder worker, and the resurrection was nothing more than a magic trick at best. If that's the case, then as St. Paul says, our faith is vain and our preaching is a lie. So if there's one takeaway from this feast of the Most Holy Trinity, I think it's this that we should keep in mind and pay attention to the faith that we profess every week. That it's not just pleasantries and niceties, nor is it an arcane and archaic structure put into place to somehow control the masses. No, our faith, our profession of the triune God, is such a radical shift of anything that had come before, because it shows us that, going back to that quote from the ancient monk St. Hilarion, eternity belongs to the Father, splendor to the likeness 
and fruition to the gift. God is with us before all ages, made manifest and became one of us in the second person in Jesus Christ, and has sent his spirit, the very love that is shared between the Father and the Son, to be with us for all time, until we are at last united with our loving God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.